You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Let's pray. Father, we are so humbled and blessed to be in your presence, God, to come before you, to open up your word, to hear your voice. God, if we came here today with shame, with guilt, with hurt, with pain, with sorrow, brokenness, God, we lay that before you, knowing that you are the restorer and the healer of all things. And we ask, God, that you would meet us here and that you would speak to our hearts and to our minds the truth of your word, that we are loved, that we are made whole, all because of what you have done for us on the cross. And so, God, as we open up your word, I pray that you would transform and change us from the inside out. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hope everybody's doing well today. Um, I'm really excited to start this new series called Everyone. And, and here's why. Because our world is pretty crazy. Would anybody agree with that? Like, our world is pretty jacked up. And we live in a world that has no hope. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he lived a life that you and I couldn't live, a life of perfection, and he died on a cross, murdered on our behalf as the perfect lamb of God to take on the sins of the world, because he did that, and he did that for everyone, and we have received him, and we have um, received the calling that he has on our lives, because of that, we have a hope that our world does not have. We have a love that the world does not have. We have experienced something that has transformed us and has given us hope beyond hope. And we now are what the Bible calls ambassadors of that hope to a lost and dying and broken world. Because I think sometimes we look around and we think, oh, we live in America. Everybody's a Christian. That's not true. On a given Sunday in our community of about 160,000 people that live in Lee County, give or take, only about 4 to 6% will attend church. Four to six percent, about 20-something percent would say that they are Christians. Only about four to six percent would actually go. And now that the pandemic has happened and has kind of come and is, is kind of going, that number has dwindled and dwindled and dwindled. That's a big deal. Because you and I, we have a message of hope for a lost and dying and broken world. And they don't know it. They don't believe it. They don't have what we have. And so we have been called to go to every man, every woman, and every child and articulate that good news. I want you to remember back to uh, a day where uh, you went to a movie theater. Does anybody remember what those are? Yeah, a movie theater? Okay. Has anybody been there in the last year? Yes, that's awesome. So cool. So, all right. So I just, just if if you haven't, I want to remind you what this, this experience is like. It's a Friday night. 
you're not doing anything. You're hanging out with some people or your spouse or, or friends and, and you're bored. And so what do you do? You say, hey, let's go see a movie. And so you're like, you start saying, what kind of movie do you want to see? Action, comedy, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember like Mission Impossible 12 is playing, right? And so you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's the one where like Tom Cruise is in a walker and then it's like a jet pack, right? And then he like takes off. So it's, yeah, let's go see that one. And so you look at the movie times and then uh, you sort through the movie theaters, right? Because you don't want to go to like the smelly one or the one with the uncomfortable chairs. Like you want to go to the one with the reclining chairs, Amen, right? So you go to the one with the reclining chairs, then you go and you, you get, get in there and then you buy your gallon of popcorn and your gallon of a, of a drink, right? Because it's only 50 cents more. It's like you could buy the little one or the big one, right? So you get that and so you're walking into your movie theater, then you find a seat that has nobody in front of you, right? Because you want to put your feet up and then there's nobody else in the theater and you're hanging out, you're watching some previews. Then someone comes and sits down in front of you, right? You don't say hello to them, you get angry at them, right? And you're like, oh, all these seats, and you have to sit right in front. So then you move, right, and you go over to the next one because you want to put your feet up, and then you watch this movie, and then um, you, uh, you enjoy the movie. You maybe don't enjoy the movie, whatever, and then you leave all your garbage, right, because there's someone there to, to clean it up for you. Um, and so you barely even touched your popcorn, even though you were eating it throughout the whole movie. And you get up, you leave, and then you and your friends, you critique the movie all the way out. And for many Americans, that is very similar to their church experience when they are bored, when something's going on in their life, when they, they show up to church, they look for one that maybe is uh, nicer or has the comfortable seats or one that smells pretty or has a good cup of coffee, maybe the one that gives donuts. And they come in and they sit down. They don't want to talk to anybody. They just want to sit and be entertained and consume. They don't want to interact. They don't want to be a part of a family they leave their garbage, and then they walk out critiquing along the way. For many Americans, this is their church experience. But that is not the church that Christ died for. That is not why Jesus got on a cross and gave up his life for you and for me. So that we can come once a month, once a quarter, sit, be entertained, and then get like the shot of like, you know, testosterone or something to get out the door and like be ready to go. I'm ready to go out into the world, ready for work this week. And then when I feel low and when I feel tired and when I feel like I can't do anymore, then I'm going to show up again to the one that I like because I'm entertained. That is not the church. That's not why Christ died for us. 1 Peter 2, 9. For you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is the reason why Christ died for us. Here's the context. You have been called out of darkness. This is every human's reality. Every single person you know, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, the sweet old lady down the street, every single human is born into sin. And if you don't believe that, go hang out with a six-month-old. I've had a bunch of kids, and all I know is that I did not have to teach them to sin. They sin on their own. Like, I never, like, when, when Lauren took something from me, I didn't bite her. Like, and then all of a sudden my kids are like, oh, that's a good way to respond to someone taking something from me. No, they just bite. 
right? They just disobey. They just learn to say no as their first word. Because sin is ingrained in us since the beginning of time from the fall of man. We have been born into darkness, but called out of darkness. Here enters the gospel of grace. We've been called into a marvelous light. Do me a favor. Close your eyes. Close them. Close them. Close them. What do you see? Hopefully darkness. Now open. As you open them, the light floods in and bounces off of everything around you so that you can see. You were once in darkness. And I know for some of us growing up in the church, we maybe don't even remember that time, but you were that. You were in darkness. No matter whether you accepted Jesus when you were four or not, you were in darkness, and at one point, God, in his love and in his mercy and in his grace, opened your eyes. Called out of darkness, called into his marvelous light. And then there's this identity transformation. For you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. As the world beats us up, as the world hurts us, as the world persecutes us, it is very difficult to believe and understand that I have been made a part of a royal priesthood. Do you feel like a prince? Do you feel like a princess? I think often in our world, we feel, feel so beat down that we don't even believe that we are who we are because of what Jesus has done. But he says, you are royal. You have been chosen. You have been adopted by the God who created all things. And sometimes we're so hard on ourselves, we can't even believe that because we're like, I'm not worthy of being that. You're right. (laughs) None of us are. There's not one person in this room that's worthy. We were all in darkness. No matter how bad, you're like, "But, but, but pastor, you don't know our story. I don't. God does. That's why he called you. He knows your story. And he deemed you worthy. Not because of what you have done, because of what he did. And so, your identity is transformed from enemy to adopted child. You're transformed from out of darkness into light. You're transformed from from the worst of the worst to a prince, a princess, a son, and daughter of the king. Why? Why? What is the mission? So that you. So that you. Why have you been transformed? Why were you brought from darkness to light? Why were you brought from enemy to child? So that you may proclaim his excellencies to a world who was where you were in darkness to bring them from death to life. So here's our hope for this series. As Tim, as Ben, as myself, as we've been praying over our church and praying over this season of life for us, our hope is that we would see our story in light of the gospel. I think too often when we're talking about our testimony, say, hey, share your testimony. Too often we spend so much time talking about the things that we did. Oh, I once was a 
and then you have this like, you know, elaborate list. I was a drug addict. I was, I was um, abused. I was this. 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 And then Jesus saved me. And then we're done. But the, your story is not all about you. Your story is about him. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he did. He transformed you. He changed you. I remember in youth group one time, this kid got up, and he told this huge elaborate story about all the bad things he did in his entire life. And everybody was laughing because he did some really stupid things. Um, and then all of a sudden at the end, he's like, oh, yeah, and then, you know, Christ saved me. And then he, like, walked off the stage, and I'm like, that was like the crescendo. That was the whole point of the story was about Jesus. And sometimes I think we forget that our story has to be seen in light of the gospel. And I think sometimes, for some of us, we belittle our story. I grew up in church. I didn't really do anything bad. And then God saved me. Man, all of us were in darkness. And it doesn't matter what you did or what you didn't do. It's about him and what he has done. Now, for some of us, he brought us out of addiction. Amen. And for some of us, he brought us out of abuse. Amen. And for some of us, he has restored us out of divorce. Amen. And for some of us, he has uh, brought us out of abusive relationships, whatever the case may be. And when he did that, he brought us into a relationship with himself. He fully, 100% restored us and made us his child. So our hope for this series is that we would see our story in light of the gospel and understand my story matters. Don't belittle your story. God has given you a story to share, no matter what it is. And to understand that my story is a part of God's mission. That my story is a part of God's mission. God is already at work. And he invites every single person that professes Jesus as their Lord and Savior to join him on that mission. So with this in mind, I want to share a story of a teenage girl with you. Can we do that? We good? Grab a Bible. There's some under the chairs in the aisles. Open up to Luke 1. So in a small town in the hills of an out-of-the-way region called Galilee, there's this little itty-bitty town, Nazareth. It's not a prestigious town. It's not a well-known town. If it was known for anything, it wasn't known for anything good. Nothing really came out. You know like a podunk town, like kind of in the middle of the state or in the middle of the country that, you know, you hear so, and someone says, you know, I'm from, uh, you know, so-and-so, and you're just like, I don't even know where that is. I didn't even know that existed. Kind of one of those places. Luke chapter 1, verse 36. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How 
can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, will, uh, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who has been called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Probably most likely a story that people that have been in church for a long time have only heard during Christmas. And it's August. So why here? Why are we starting here? Well, in this series, we're going to look at a bunch of stories of people who had an encounter with Jesus, and he transformed them and brought them from death to life. And then they went out and shared his story with the world around him, transforming and changing everything that you and I know, because we wouldn't be here today if they didn't go out and share their story with everybody around them. And it starts with Mary. Because here's the, here's the cool thing. Jesus already existed. He didn't just appear when he was born. Like, Jesus already existed. Jesus was in the saving business before he was born. And so he now intersects with this no-named girl, this teenager, maybe even a little bit younger. She wasn't prestigious. She wasn't an influencer. Like if she posted something on Instagram, she maybe would get a few likes from the kids that were in her town because there was only a few kids in her town. No one knew her name. She wasn't the smartest. She wasn't the brightest. She wasn't the most successful. She wasn't the best dresser. She wasn't the prettiest. She wasn't the coolest. Like, that she wasn't all those things that we put, you know, like, if I were to scan the world at that time, I guarantee you I could have picked somebody a little bit more qualified to be the mother of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Why? Because I would have picked somebody that everybody knew, that everybody, that was famous, maybe a, a princess or a prince of the king of that day, right? Somebody that everybody knew that was an influencer, so that when it happened, everybody would know the story. No, God had different plans. He picked someone whom he was to qualify, not that was already qualified. So this young, backwoods, no-name girl, God chooses to be the mother of the king. God tells Mary something radical. Look at verse 35. Angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, we see the, kind of the flip side of the story when the angel is talking to Joseph. It says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God is doing something radical in the lives of Joseph and Mary to transform and change the world around them. And he's doing that in your life and my life as well. See, this is how our story intersects with Mary's story. If you and I were able to look at the whole world and put a board together, right? we love boards, right? Executive committee, to take the applications and the qualifications of all the people in the world 
I guarantee you that you and I could find more qualified people in this world to save than you and me. There is nobody in this room that if there was this executive board picking people to be Christians, that you would be on that list, and neither would I. There's nothing special in the world for us in this room, but God, the creator of all things, the one who looks down and on the entire world says, I want Carrie. I want you to be my daughter. See, this is a big deal. I don't know if you've uh, seen adoption or what adoption looks like, but there was a day my wife and I got a phone call. And this little two-year-old girl named Jolie brought to our house. Although we were strangers, from the moment we set eyes on her, she was our forever daughter. An equal heir to our family as our biological kids. There is no difference between Hope and Everly. There are daughters. One adopted, one biological. There are daughters. This process of adoption is beautiful. About two months later, in the mail shows up a birth certificate. Jolie Hope Vecchio, our last name. And you know who's listed as her mom and dad? Lauren. Forever, our daughter. God has done that for you. God has done that for me. He did that for Mary. He called her. He invited her to be a part of his story to save the world. And he has done that for you. And I think, for the most part, the American church has failed to help us see that. See that our story matters. See that it is something that we are invited and called to do so that you may proclaim his excellencies. You know, it's great when you have a friend that you want to invite to church, but don't wait to let that friend hear the gospel from me, from Tim, from Ben. You have a story to share. You have a story to tell. Share the gospel because that's what God has called you to do. That's not a vocation. That's a calling for every single Christian that has been brought from death to life. God chose you. How do I know that? Because you're here? Because you're sitting in these seats? If you say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, then this is talking about you. No exceptions. No like, yeah, but you don't know, like that's not my gifting. No, 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 no. God has given every single one of us a story to share. And he has placed people around each and every one of us to share it with. I don't know your coworkers. I don't know your neighbors. I don't know the people that go to your gym. God has placed them in your life specifically for you to share the gospel with. He's qualified you by bringing you to life so you can bring others to life. How do I know? Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Give thanks to the Father who has qualified you. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, 
but our sufficiency, our qualification is from God. He qualifies us so that we may go out and share his good news. So what's Mary's response to this calling? She look at him and say, I'm not qualified, I'm not good enough, I'm not popular, I'm too young. I, I haven't started the Instagram, you know, page yet. Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Why? This is verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. I know that in this world it takes a man and a woman to come together to conceive, but I'm going to do it apart from that. I know that your cousin Elizabeth, barren, she's been barren for years and years and years and she can't have kids. I'm going to change that. Nothing will be impossible for God. That's not prosperity gospel. That's the power of the gospel. Lord, you have called me. You have chosen me. So what does Mary say? I surrender. Do what you will. And it's not this, uh, uh, like my girls, right? I tell them to do something, uh, right? All right, Dad, I'll go clean my room. No, 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 no. Mary's response is beautiful. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. And I would love to hear that from my girls. Go clean your room. Behold, I am a servant of you, Dad. <laughs> Willingly, lovingly, Lord, do what you will. You've called me. You've given me life. Help me share that with the world. I want to share that with the world. I want every single person in my life to know that you are good, that you are beautiful, you are holy, you are loved, and I want to. So what's our response? Well, like Mary, we've been called to proclaim his excellencies. Every one of us, to everyone. We've been called, we've been given a new identity so that we will bring his good news to the world. Um, recently, I was with a small group of believers and we were, our, our heart was breaking um, over someone that we mutually knew. And we've known this person for years and years and years and years. We're very close to them. We spent a lot of time with them. And they're young, um, and they've had a really, really hard life. And as we were talking, uh, some of the people were even crying, and we were pleading with the Lord, like, we want him to know the goodness of the Lord. And for some reason, the question came out of my mouth, and it said, um, has any of us actually shared the gospel with him? And everybody kind of looked around. Now, here are leaders in the church, Bible study leaders, people that really, like, know how to do it. Every single person were like, nope. I'm like, wait, wait, nobody here? who have been around this person for hours and hours and hours and like, things, like nobody has shared the gospel with him? Nope. And then they all kind of turned to me because he's a younger guy and like, well, you used to be a youth pastor, you go do it. If that's the mindset that we have, that those that um, are on staff at a church or those that have a title are the ones that are going to do it, just like, you know, oh, we're not going to pick up our popcorn because there's someone that gets paid to do that. If that's our mindset, we are missing out on the beauty of the gospel. We are missing out on so many blessings. If you're sitting here going, 
hey, you know, my faith, it just seems very, eh. Like, I just haven't been, just not growing. I just don't feel like the passion I once felt. My follow-up question to that statement would be, when was the last time you shared the good news of Jesus? We have been called to proclaim his excellencies to a lost and dying world. A few hours later, I started praying. I was like, God, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity. We ended up just being on this go-kart together. We were driving around. I was like, man, I don't even know how to relate to this kid. <laughs> I just started sharing my story, how God saved me. You know what his response was? Cool. Right? We didn't pray the prayer. I didn't have him fill out a card and check the box. I didn't have him raise his hand. I didn't make him respond at that moment. I shared my story because that's what God called me to do. And I told him, God loves you. God wants a relationship with you. And when you're ready, I would love to talk to you more about it. He's like, cool. You and I are not responsible for their response. We're responsible to share his good news. So, church, the people of God, Are we willing, like Mary, to say, Lord, I am your servant. I will do what you have called me to do. Can I pray for us? God, I just think about what Paul wrote in the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 14. It says, how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone sharing the good news with them? God, that is my prayer for myself, for my wife, for my kids, for our church, for all the communities and the churches in this area that profess you as their Lord and Savior, that we would be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for your own possession. That way we may proclaim your excellencies to a lost and dying and hopeless and broken world. God, I lift up to you right now, Redeemer Church and Sam next door. I lift up to you, David Gold and Crossroads, Summit and Jamin and Orlando and Nate and Jeremiah and Adam. God, I, I lift up all of the um, missionaries that live in this area. I think of um, Mark Cook, and I think of uh, Jesus. I think of um, Carrie and uh, Coach V from um, FCA. God, we lift up the team of believers, every single one, not that are in full-time vocational ministry. God, I lift up Miguel. I lift up Will. I lift up Sean. I lift up Jared, God. I lift up our church, our people, that we would all receive the calling that you have given us, not just to be brought from death to life, but to go and to share your good news with every man, woman, and child. That we may proclaim your excellencies. We may proclaim the story that you have given us. God, I pray that we would not belittle the story you have given us. I pray that we would not be fearful of the story that you have given us. I pray that we would not be timid about the story you have given us. 
God, for some of us, we sit here in shame because we're like, God, I don't want to share that I did this or that I did that. I don't want to share that I once was a. But I pray, God, in these moments that you would stir in us a hope beyond hope to recognize that our story has been set from the foundation of the earth. And our story is a story you have given us so that we may proclaim your excellency. We all are going to mess up. We all are going to do things that we are ashamed of. But God, I pray that you would change all of that for good. You would change all of that to bring people from death to life. Because we know that in the world around us, there are people with the same story as us, except for they don't know you. And our story would be a conduit for change in their lives. So God, I pray right now that your gospel message, the story of Jesus, would sink deeper and deeper in our hearts and our minds. God, we can't give people what we don't have. So if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, God, I pray that they would come to know you. They would come to hear your voice and savor you. And that out of an overflow of enjoyment, God, as your servants, we would go and share you with passion and with zeal so that the world may know you. It's in your name that we pray.